And we're back with Activism Uncensored. Um, today, I have a wonderful guest, uh, my, my, my friend Lex. You know, uh, Lex is a legal professional. Uh, would you like to tell people what you do, Lex? I've been quite excited to get you on the show, actually. So, yeah, tell everyone what you do. Um, well, I, I, I do lots. Uh, I got trained in law uh, and got, you know, I, so I've done law up to my postgrad at university. And then after that, as the pandemic was rolling out and I was looking for ways to connect with people, I got involved in activism first through mm-hmm. Extinction Rebellion. And then suddenly, suddenly I was Inchlet Britain legal. Uh, so I was running the legal team for Inchlet yeah. Britain and that's how we met. And yeah, now now I am running Climate Action Support Pathway, which is a separate entity from any campaign. But we we're here to support anyone who takes action uh, against this genocidal and ecocidal state. Uh, as long as that action is nonviolent, uh, I work to mm-hmm. support all those individuals. So that's what I do now. So you actually do quite a lot, don't you? Really? So I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's quite it's quite difficult to to condense everything that you do into a couple of sentences like that, really. Um... Yeah, I think I've gotten quite good with, like, anytime I do, like, a Zoom call, I've got, like, this one sentence, kind of like a tagline that comes along with my name, um, which is pretty much what I just said there, but I normally yeah. do it a bit quicker because I'm always... Well, I, I think I just talk a lot. I'm I'm someone I can just chat for hours, Um and I don't think that's necessarily what people want from people no. who hold Zoom calls because well, there's exactly already so what many we Zoom want calls. For, for podcasts. But, so, yeah. um, so that's this format is set up so you can you can exactly you, you, you perfect guest. I'm the yeah. perfect guest. Ask, uh, so we've had some arrests in uh, in London with just the pile, the slow marches. What do you think about this? Yes. Ah, uh, so it's. It's hilarious in a way that this was very expected. So we, when I've been talking to different organisations from Liberty and Netpol to then people who are taking part in the slow marches, I've, you know, we've we've very openly said that Section 12s and Section uh, 14s, when they can apply it, um, will be applied. And, you know, police overreach will take place it's i think it happened quicker than mm-hmm. what we were thinking it would and you know frankly i i see us going more and more towards how russia or or china treat their protesters where they are demonized which is already happening here like our ministers demonize normal everyday people who go onto yeah. the streets with a placard and like that's just it's such vile behavior from our you know supposedly leaders so i'm not surprised that oh no it's just, if, if, if we lose connection great. just, keep, uh, just yeah, keep telling what I'm, you're saying i'm not surprised because you've got the the audio on your side so we'll have clear audio anyway oh yeah true oh very smart you get around these tech issues um but yeah, so I think 
I'm not surprised with what's happened. Obviously, I was hoping that it wouldn't happen and people could just practice their right to protest, uh, which is enshrined mm -hmm. in international and domestic law. Um, however, you know, the rhetoric that we've seen from one, the media, and then two, our ministers, you know, it comes as no surprise that then the public feels the way they feel. And, you know, similarly, I think with what happened with Insulate Britain, you know, the idea was that people would go and block a road and then tell the police that they were going to do it again. And when the police didn't, you know, remand people, even though they should have and could have, that allowed the media and the public to kind of roll in their anger and just, you know, become angered at the at the messenger rather than the actual target, which has been the government all this time. And again, now people are, I was kind of looking at the coverage from today. So yeah. the coronation is happening today. Uh, I, I believe it kind of just finished with the procession. And honestly, it's, it's really saddening to see that the, the rhetoric from a lot of, journalist is that like oh why couldn't you pick another day to protest there's 355 other days in a year mm, let the people that. celebrate this but yeah and it's it's like we we can't get away from the coronation literally i when i was walking from the bus stop to my house earlier today there are like two street parties and then it was like, volunteer for the council. Why would I fucking volunteer for the council if to celebrate a billionaire, you know, appointed by God, you know, twat who now gets to sit on a very nice chair with a expensive crown on with all of those jewels on the crown being stolen from other nations. Why should I celebrate that? Like, it, he's not my king. I'm not anyone's subject. And the fact that, you know, we see, you know, no matter if you don't agree with Republicans or Just Stop Oil or whatever other protest movement there is, you know, even I don't I don't agree with like the anti-lockdown protest or, or or like their court or like their argument, you know, that we shouldn't have had lockdowns. Um, obviously, I was still really vocal about our duty to protect their right to protest so even anti-vaxxers if they're protesting about not wanting to get vaccinated i don't agree with you but i will do anything yeah. to protect yeah. your right to protest about it and the fact that we we just see that just because you don't agree with someone not celebrating the coronation then they get arrested like it it's just yeah it's it angers me um, but yeah, I'm not surprised. It, yeah, it, it, it's pretty messed up, so, really. This country that's... is slowly sliding towards some kind of fascist, uh, you know, dictatorial uh, lack of human rights regime, and it worries yeah. me because when the when the when the climate really does start to stumble, and we've we you know we have a six month drought or something, and we have food shortages for the first time, it's gonna kick mm. off. And I feel like I feel like they get I feel like the government are kind of getting ready yeah. for that. 
like with these new big prisons they're building and with all these uh, new laws they're bringing in. Well. Yeah, well, they they are they are bringing in. Well, they they've started to build. Is it four or five maximum? I don't, I don't have that like, information to hand right now. I can't. Uh, but yeah, it's it's nuts because they are building. So I was reading the kind of the stats of what they're doing. So currently, um, I believe it's England and Wales where there is eighty six thousand prisoners give or take some um and with that eighty six thousand prisoners that there are currently in prisons they're like well we're at max prison capacity so rather than release those people from prison who do not need to be there and i'm not even you know saying that we should abolish all prisons even mm-hmm. though I, I do believe that myself but i'm not even saying that that's something that we need to push for now. I don't think our society is necessarily ready for that. But I think, you know, we have so many people in prison who, one, are on remand for nonviolent crime. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure you can, you <laughs> yeah, can understand like. what that's like. Um, we've got... Yeah, and it's, you know, we've got people who've committed nonviolent crime who are, like, caught with a joint or one speeding ticket and... And they get sent to prison, and it's it's disgusting that our our government's solution for a full prison and a full prison system was first to ask for permission from um, the ministry um, ministry of justice that they can use police cells as prison cells temporarily, whilst they're pr- building. And adding to our prison capacity by 20,000 new wow. places in prison. That's like a quarter more than oh, what so we already, that... what we have. We've got 86,000. And now we're, we're building so we can get another 20,000 people in. Guess who will those be? Like th- those, those people will, one, be marginalised communities. It will be you know, trans folk, it will be people of colour, especially mm. young men of colour, it will be activists, it will be, for sure, it will be, you know, Republicans who are going against the crown, uh, it will be climate protesters, it will most likely, you know, when people are actually realising that the climate crisis and the cost of living crisis come very hand in hand and people are running out of food it will be the people who shoplift to feed their families like it's nuts we should be building prison cells like if we're building prison cells we should be building those for our politicians could we not do it i strongly feel you know these prison prisons are being built at our place and i know i work in construction myself so i know that a construction job can be slowed down a hell of a lot like, could they not be sabotaged, the buildings of these prisons, and set back mm. decades and decades in costing so they never actually complete it? You know? That, that, that's... Yeah, I... I know that there were protesters at one of the sites where they were actually taking down ancient woodland. Uh, I can't remember where it was. Maybe it was, like, Hertfordshire or somewhere. And they did... You know yeah. those, like, bamboo tripods... Um, they did have a couple of them uh, at the site 
and they were arrested, but they, yeah, they were blocking access to the site, I think, for like 10 hours or something. Um, so that's the only kind of thing I've seen people do. Um, I think it's definitely, definitely a viable option, uh, protesting against mass prison facilities. Um, I know that in the, in the US, where they are doing something quite similar, um, where they're building the um, police training city or something. I can't remember which state it's in. Um, I'm thinking Ohio, but it might not be. So I don't want to. I don't want to get it wrong. But where they're building that massive police training city, and they're gonna basically, you know, they're they're working to be more of a police state than what they already are, and that's where the climate activist um, Tortuga. I think his name is Tortuga, who was 26. He was shot by the police. Um, well, how, how, how and when? So why? That's, how, when and why? why you know, and, uh, this would have been about what? two or three months ago. And yeah, he was shot. Yeah, he was shot uh, for protecting trees because they were taking down, again, ancient woodland um, to build a a you know police training city and yeah he was shot by was the police it, was, it, was and, he running or was he like he was 26 running from them or was he running um, towards them or uh, do we know anything about this or uh, sorry i'm just really curious i i i can't remember the details i did read about it and there was a really beautiful article about how how he he'd been you know a, he was a very well-known like tree protector and, you know, the comments I read about him or like the um, obituary, I guess, um, was was very, you know, I could so see, you know, our friend Marcus, who is also a very well-known tree protector. I could see that kind of Marcus spirit in the text that I was reading, you know, that like, you know, unconditional love for all living beings and the the lack of hate in within that person it's just i think i don't i can't remember any of the details now about you know how he was shot but obviously he was unarmed and for some reason i think that he was shot from the back but i can't now i can't remember if that was another case i i read but there's yeah there's it's just it's just vile what's what's happening and how much violence can be used can I ask you a question? peaceful um, peaceful how do you think the uk compares uh yeah, to cracking down on climate activists like to other other countries in europe like germany france do you have any idea about um yeah so i think i think the uk police generally have been um not as violent in their arrests as they have been in in Germany and and in France. Uh, I think French particularly they have the national guard and the national guard tends to be it's more like facing mm. the military rather than the police. Um, so I feel that what I've seen from their arrest videos is it does seem a lot more violent. Uh, the police tend to be a lot more aggressive. Whereas in the UK, I feel that where it's now gone 
is that the arrests happen before the actual protest even takes place. And we saw that today. Uh, 21 Just Stop, Oil, Just Stop Oil protesters were arrested just for the fact that they were wearing Just Stop Oil t-shirts and a couple of them had placards. Well, they, were they on the roll? Were they, were they, um, were they slow marching? And, or? you know, we saw... No, no, they, they were literally just standing near where the king's procession was going to go past. Um, and, you know, similarly, uh, I can't, I don't know the exact number, but around 20 Republicans have also been also been arrested and they didn't even get to the protest they were arrested on their way in the morning and they had a van of placards and those placards just placards that didn't say anything else except not my king and they were arrested and all of the placards taken like at least leave the placards there's nothing criminal about placards that's like you know we when we were kind of seeing the Police Crime Sentencing and Courts Act come into come into force last year. And people were saying like, oh, you know, well, you can still hold a placard and like peacefully protest. Well, no, you can't. You like it's I think that's kind of the difference between um, the rest of Europe that I, I can say is that here the arrest happened before the protest takes place. And that is scary. That's scary. Like the fact that they they could yeah, and the fact that they can infiltrate movements and that they are so willing to do so. And you know there was um, I can't remember what the book is called, but it was about uh, how the Met Police had infiltrated climate movements in the late nineties and early early noughties, and and how that actually had a huge impact on the whole mobilization of of people who were concerned about the environment and and there were all these ex, you know kind of <coughs> apologies that's the dog someone's coming in um and basically it's you know we were oh i can't remember what you're I was saying, saying. <laughs> what you're saying then is the police infiltrate the climate movement and that had a big effect on the recruitment of people into the climate movement. Yes. So how did it affect it? Yeah, and... Well, there was... Basically, the, the stories that came out, which were all these uh, male police officers basically leading double lives, and one, you know, even had a child with one of the people as as an undercover police officer... And how, how um, you know, messed up it is that all of these, you know, that the police can infiltrate movements and undermine political organisation and undermine freedom of assembly, which it frankly is. It's our freedom of assembly. Um, so, you know, that's... It's it's crazy yeah, that it we allow that to happen and we just you know, the amount of journalists that come to, you know, infiltrate Zoom calls and then suddenly the journalists are working with the police. Um and you know, for example, I think the the arrest that happened or the arrests 
in November where uh, the sun had had infiltrated a Zoom call uh, from Just Up Oil and, and basically recorded the call and gave all of it to the police. And when the police went and arrested people and raided their homes, Sun got a deal with the police that because they've given them the information, they're allowed to film the arrests and the raids. Which, how nuts is that? Like, how is our, like, very right-wing, you know, billionaire-owned media allowed to work together with the police that way and kind of, like, buy <laughs> content from the police? Um, oh. It's, it's yeah, wild. It really is. It really is, isn't it's it? It's absolutely wild. God. Can, what did you... Um, so, yeah. we've spoken a lot about... Do you remember my bail conditions... Where I couldn't talk about protesting, I spoke yes. a bit about, a bit about the podcast. But what was so? What what, are you, yes. what, what was your opinion about the uh, the bail conditions that I received coming out of prison at the end of last December? It's, I find it, uh, well, it angers me that our judges are so ready to take away people's rights, which. Like, putting it just plainly, we have rights. Everyone has human rights. It's just not debatable. And those human rights need to be respected. And yes, obviously, there are restrictions that can be applied when it is necessary to do so to, you know, prevent greater harm. But it's... Judges are meant to be reading the law and applying the law. The fact that judges are so willing to scrap people's rights, which are enshrined in law, is really worrying. Why are they a judge? Because they're clearly applying their own political agenda if they're taking someone's rights away, such as freedom of speech. Like, freedom of speech is, a, is quite a fucking basic right. We were, we have been and should always be allowed to speak. No matter if people don't agree with us, we're allowed to speak about whatever we want. You can't take that away. And the fact that they did that to you and the fact that you had to argue to try and get your rights back. <sighs> oh. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked that it happened. I am glad that that bail condition was lifted and you know it's you know there there are others as well who have similar ish kind of bail conditions um like there's someone actually really? quite, quite a few people from um within just up oil yeah who have bail conditions that say that they are not allowed to attend I've, I've any got climate I can't, protest. I can't attend any protest not just climate protest Mine just says protest. Which, like, I'm sorry, but I understand if the bail condition would be not allowed to commit any criminal offence at a protest or as part of a protest. Yeah, okay, fair enough. That's, you know, they're trying to prevent offences. But just the fact that you can be banned from attending protest as a bystander or as a photographer or just going to see your friends 
that's just it's you know it's such judicial overreach that you know i'm i just i yeah i it makes me really uncomfortable it makes me really really uncomfortable um, makes me, makes me, honestly, so, it makes me yeah. ashamed of our, there we go. We've of got... our government and our judiciary. Like, they're supposed to be, like, pretty good. Like, the British legal system is supposed to be pretty, you know, fair, or so I've heard, you know. And it seems to be all, we seem to be losing that yeah. within just a year, a two years. Top, you know, two or three years, and we've gone from having human rights to not having human rights, and it just seems like it's happening very quickly. And nobody even seems to realise. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really interesting because, you know, our government is openly saying that they're trying to make sure that the European Court of Human Rights wouldn't have any jurisdiction in the UK. And I think it's, like, partly it's it's funny because they thought that the European Court of Human Rights had something to do with the EU. So they were like, how does it still have jurisdiction when we've left the EU? And it's like, it's separate. Like, if you if you work within politics, at least understand how European systems work before you start yelling about them. And two, the fact that you want a human rights court not to have jurisdiction is a fucking worrying sign. That's what Hitler did. Like, that's that's the point where we're getting to, you know, saying, like, this group of people do not have rights. That's, you know, it it's a very, like, it's so right-wing that I don't think it can get any more right-wing unless we, you know, bringing the ghettos and and trains oh. and gas chambers. I do you think, think do you next, think it could go that far? Next bit. And it yeah, it's with this with this government. Um well, I think so what I actually had a very interesting conversation just last night um with someone and we were kind of debating whether the British military would be ready to take orders um to kill their own No, people. surely not. Um, and my argument was, my argument was that yes, they would, because people would know. So people who go to the military and serve for the military, the military has massive reserves so that the military can be sustained during a time of crisis. So if you're part of the military, you would be, you would know that being part of the military would protect yourself and your family. So... Let's say 20 years from now, there's been 10 summers. We've, we've had 10 summers with extreme heat and crop failure is so high that we literally just have no food. Like it's come to the point where, you know, there's water shortages, there's food shortages. And frankly, people are dying. Imagine then having because obviously none of these hot summers and heat waves come without other natural disasters so we would have let's say east of england was flooding so there's a couple villages who then you know those villages need to get evacuated and the military is told to go and evacuate them 
that's about 10,000 people. And they know, they know that if the military evacuates these 10,000 people, they're going to be brought into a military base or somewhere close by where the military would feed them. Everyone in the military would know that that means that their resources are going down. At what point do you think that the herd mentality of I want to protect myself and my family and the men and women who I work with rather than these strangers I don't know? What point do you think that there would be an order to say, just leave them at the bus stop and just shoot them all in a row? Because I think that's completely possible. I don't think that we are, we're there yet. And I really hope that we don't come to that point. But thinking about what the military is and what the military, what military training does to you, you're trained to kill people in the military. Let's not try and like sugarcoat what the military is. It's not just following orders. It is that you know how to kill. You're meant to, you're a soldier. You're meant to be protecting the crown. That's frankly what it is. One, I hope that, you know, when the cost of living crisis and climate crisis go to that point where, you know, people can't afford to food, I hope that people will storm Buckingham Palace, Palace first. Mm. It, it won't be that. The, the, but, the king won't you know, storm. They'll they abandon Buckingham Palace. Oh, yeah, they would have been in bunkers way, way before this. Um, or some, probably not even bunkers, they would just have a massive estate somewhere in Buckinghamshire or somewhere no else tries. where they can just um, stay in their fortified castle. I want to yeah, run something by you, though, right, Imagine. Um, now, this this might be me being a dreamer, right? But can you imagine yeah. if Just a Poil really did create a movement that brought down the British government and put a, a, a people's assembly in place? And imagine, just for a second that we kept King Charles in place and then he gave the new government a royal assent in front of all the other countries of the world and in front of the uh, in front of the Commonwealth and in front of like the judiciary and in front of like all of the right wing royalists. Uh, I... Yeah, like I I've mm. I feel two ways about that because because I do understand that if if the king would give, you know, royal assent and kind of like a blessing to a citizens' assembly, there would be such huge support from the royalists, which we might yeah. not otherwise get until it's kind of too late. But at the same time, I like I fundamentally disagree with the existence yeah, of monarchy. And and I I find it difficult to see how people who would want to establish citizens' assemblies, how they would feel about holding on to a monarchy, which is, frankly, just not relevant it, anymore. Is you it know, not relevant? We, and also, at what point, what point does the citizens' assembly get the right to say, we're not funding this fucking king? Like, <laughs> at what point do, can we opt out from from being subjects? Because I don't want to be anyone's well, subject. Well, it'd be a law. If, it, if, it, if that's what they decided, then... But I was just looking at it purely like a like a tactical move. Like the royal family could give could could be could be a unifying foot. Well, a lot a lot of people on the left would not be happy about it. But if you got your revolution at the end of the day, and you and it, is, it was only king by name, and nothing else, 
and it was and it was to unify the country in that way and uh, it could be I, I don't know it's just me me yeah me, me Frankly, it is anyway. yeah yeah I think it it has yeah I think it's really interesting because I feel quite conflicted about it I understand what what kind of benefit it could bring but I don't know if if those benefits would would outweigh the kind of the <laughs> immoral positioning of a king above the citizens and frankly it's citizens assembly not subjects assembly it's citizens coming together as equals um rather than anyone being you know held on a higher higher Mm. podium and how how can you have the king on the same level as everyone else and frankly like our current king like he's not that smart either like not that i think grades or grade like school grades say anything about a person but the the fact that he you know he he was never anyone to kind of be like oh wow he's he's super smart he's He's so clever. Might have something to do with um, the inbreeding over a few hundred years. To... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. His par- yeah. parents were cousins, after all. Which I also find that... Sorry, I'm just going to have to plug my computer in. I probably should have it's okay. made myself better for this. But I think it's, we going, it's going well. You're already you're you're recording still going. No, it's not. Ch- Brilliant. Yes. I'm just not, yes. um, still going. Enough lost talk for a second. Yeah. I'd just like to say, I've been missing you because I, I used to speak to you every single day. Oh, all, I, I missed to you too. All the time from prison. I know, I know. Yeah. And I would have to be in a certain spot in my house so you know, I could uh, hear you. I want- are you cool with talking about uh, what we did together what, whilst I was in prison the, uh, with the affirmations and stuff? Because I think that's quite powerful, really. Um, yes. So I, I, I remember yeah. just people to realise yeah. this all started one day when I was speaking to you on the phone and you said something negative about yourself and um, I went, whoa, 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 stop right there. I said, Lex, do you like yourself? And you, I think you said something like, no, I fucking hate myself. And that was it, that was it. Um, I, I was off on one. And I got you doing affirmations yeah. every day, didn't I? I, I? I ring you up and I say, right, repeat after me. And I'd say things like, yeah. um, well, do you, do you like to yeah. eat, eat affirmations on the podcast? <laughs> yeah, I, they've changed a lot from the original ones because the original ones, it's now been, like, how long has it been? Like, Well, I, I, I had four months, months left. I think. Uh, I remember thing. I remember we started, I had four months to go to February, to the start of February, so that would have been all of January, all of December, October, November, it would have been like November, yeah, so quite a while ago. No, no, it, it would have been earlier than that. It would have been a lot earlier than that. Because I remember what was kind of happening um, during my life at the time and I I remember I was just about to start therapy and oh, I started therapy yes, in yes, September right, yeah which yeah yeah so that so I would have I think we would have started chatting daily around September time 
like early September. Yeah, I'm glad for it. September maybe. I got you doing your affirmations. Um, so affirmations are things like saying, "I forgive myself yeah. for all my past mistakes. I have a deep love for who I am." Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because I've now created a little bit of a different routine to myself around my affirmations and I all I also I think I've added a little bit I don't know how you would feel about this or I I haven't actually told you but basically a lot of the times now when I do it I'm I don't just want to say something I want to think of an example of it so when I when I'm saying like to myself um let's say I'm I am hardworking uh, and I'm intelligent. Then I think about basically all the things I did the other day. You know, uh, if I'd been you know holding different calls or wrote a brief, and I kind of just want to get some like mm. sort of substance. You're visualizing it. Um, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if that's yeah, if that's, that's the... the way to do it. You, you, honestly, you're leveling up with it. You. The way I explain to people is when I say when I say I love yeah. the person that I am or I have a deep love for myself. I when you, when you say the word love, it's not like four letters L O V E. I want you to think of like someone that you think of your children, think of mm. your mother, think about someone in your life, and, and remember yeah. what that that love actually feels like. Feel the feeling of love when you when you and then imagine yourself. Yeah, I love myself. And that emotional yeah. connection is way more powerful yeah. than just the words. And it might sound vain to some people, but it's this is the best thing you can do yeah, for your mental definitely. health. I mean, in my opinion. Yeah, I think one of my favourites that I that I do is one of the very early affirmations that I was doing with you was um, one of them was people enjoy my company, and. And I think that one I've I've it's become such like mood lifter for me because I'll I'll say to myself, people enjoy my company and I'll just start bringing up memories of Aww. just laughter and love with my friends. And and that's definitely I've had, you know, some like, you know, if something kind of sad has happened or I'm just having like a really, you know, exhausting day. I will do that and just be like, oh, that moment of laughter that I had with that person or, you know, you know, when we went salsa dancing, like the amount of laughter that we had and and like all of these like just good memories. And I like backing, yeah. backing the affirmations up with that. And I think that's been like extremely powerful because it's not just, you know, I it's like quantifying um, the the affirmations and the reality behind them so they're not just words and I do actually feel that way um so I think yeah it's definitely you know I've, I've told I've told my therapist about it and like how I've used them and she's very proud of me as well and she always says like you know when I started with her in September like how you know distressed and like in like yeah. a slight crisis I was in because I just didn't know I, I couldn't get the kind of like a safe space within my head to go about just daily stuff. Um, and, and I think, you know, it's, it's been amazing when people have actually told me being like, Oh, you, you actually seem like you've, you're calm and you're, you're good with, 
with what's happening, even though life is bloody stressful and, you know, we are living in, you know, unprecedented times. It's it's completely nuts what we're living through and what we have been living through, like, our our whole lives as millennials. You know, we've lived through, you know, kind of like our first ever memories would be, you know, 9-11, Iraq war, uh, collapse of the economy. Uh, you know, we had swine flu and then, you know, another bit of technology and collapses, banks going down, and then another pandemic and and the climate crisis wrapping all of this together and us living in this bloody weird, you know, like our parents saying, oh, just go to university and you'll get a really good job. Yeah, and 70 grand worth of loans, uh, which my parents didn't have, uh, yeah. but they just bought a house, you know, like it's... It's such a different time that we're living in. We haven't had pay rises the way that our parents had. We haven't had, uh, you know, we've had to keep up with technology to an extent to like just feel valid in society and with like social media and the ever-changing trends on what to be and who to be. And I think finally we have a trend of looking after yourself, like with mental health that's finally trendy, which is beautiful. Um, and I think, you know, finally we're like millennials and Gen Z are kind of taking in all the pride of looking after yourself, which, you know, baby boomers could have done that too, but they didn't. (laughs) So now we're stuck with their problems. (laughs) Oh yeah. 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 So it's, it's a lot of messed up stuff, really, isn't it? You know what really terrifies me is I've got a two-year-old goddaughter, right? I mean, what kind of what's from from her yeah. being two to twenty-two? You know, what's she gonna see? Yeah, it's it's actually frightening. It is frightening because you know, with like you know the latest IPCC report, we even you know, we, we keep getting these like final warnings and our decision makers, our policy makers aren't taking those final warnings as warnings. They're taking them as fake news or I don't even know, like, did our home office or our, you know, ministry um, for the environment, did they even acknowledge the report? Because I didn't hear anything. And and it's, you know, we're, we know, like the everyday, you know, lay person knows that we're going past the 1.5 degrees Celsius. And when we go past that, that's already where there's going to be a lot of problems. The 1.5 wasn't like, yeah, if we stick at 1.5, everything's going to be sweet. That already means millions of people becoming climate refugees. That already means wildfires and food But the fact that we're... Yeah, but if you're looking at the current policies and if nothing changes, we're at 3.2 degrees by the end of the century. That's nuts. (laughs) That's... And also, like, the people don't understand that 3.2 degrees Celsius does not mean 
oh, every summer will be 3.2 degrees warmer because that's global temperature. And most of our planet is ocean. So land temperature is going to be 10, 15 degrees higher than it was because oceans are the ones trapping most of the heat. And currently, we already have the highest ever recorded temperatures of our oceans, which means the oceans aren't oxidizing. Uh, so basically, oceans aren't holding in any of that carbon, carbon, carbon dioxide, carbon dioxide. Carbon, di carbon dioxide. I was like, carbon monoxide. I was like, oh, I can't say that. That's the wrong one. Um, and, you know, we're, we'll have dead oceans in 15 years. We already have more plastic in the oceans than we have fish. <laughs> what are we doing? What are we doing? What is, what is your goddaughter going oh, to do? Oh, dead planet. We're, we're dead oceans. Like, you know, she's... Yeah, and like, if we have dead oceans, we have dead people. We have dead everything. And, you know, we're... Like, frankly, we're already paying so much in in fixing what the, you know, weather events currently are doing. Imagine in five years, imagine in 10 years, the amount of money that goes into fixing roads from floods and mudslides and and hurricanes... And, you know, it, the, the fucking cement and building foundations are going to start cracking. Imagine the money. And, like, where is that money coming from? It's not, it's not like the rich are then going to be like, oh, let's now start taxing us. You know, we're going to... That's all going to come to the poor people. That's all going to just mean that those who suffer from the climate emergency first will not be helped out they'll die and and like maybe like frankly maybe that is the plan of the rich they're just expecting climate crisis to take out hmm. you know a billion people and then they'll see how they can bring about new world order i don't know yeah but the thing um, is though like once we get once we get both past yeah. two degrees it locks in tipping points that pushes to three degrees and then the, the melting permafrost the retreating ice the collapsing rainforests Heat brings on more heating. We're going to get to four degrees. And even if you're dead and buried by then, your children and your children's children, they will be damned because it'll be five degrees, six degrees, seven degrees. It, where, when does it stop? Where will it be 500 years from now? Does it, will, does it, it ever stop? I mean, so... Yeah. One thing that's a bit concerning is <laughs> there's been studies of uh, you know, Venus, the, the planet Venus... It's like um, there's a massive percentage of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, yeah. and the average temperature is 400 degrees on the planet surface, right? And they're, they're they're looking at the planet, and they used to be rivers and oceans and lakes, but something happened in the, the planet where it began heating up. It passed tipping points that produced more carbon, and it just ran off in, until you could melt lead on the surface of Venus. Like, I am. Do you think? I, do you think the, I, I'm not a planetary scientist and you're not a planetary scientist so we can't really neither of us are really specialised in that but what we do know is we're looking at the Earth's sixth mass extinction event at least with the extinction of the majority of yeah. the plants and animals and the death of 
99% plus of life on Earth. Like, that's... That's pretty much um, a given with the climate crisis. Um, I'm yeah. hoping to get some scientists on from uh, Science Rebellion soon yeah. so they can, you know... You, you um, are my expert in, yeah. in law uh, right now, though. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Can I just say... Yeah, it, I wanna, I wanna, go on. Yeah, go on. I think... No, I was just going to say I, I had very interesting discussions with, with some uh, barristers yesterday and the whole thing was about, like, you know, how barristers, they they work with this with this idea of, you know, like, if the, if the justice system is just, you know, even if your client or who, who you get instructed by is, let's say, a paedophile, they still deserve a fair trial and then they would be found guilty and then they would be sentenced accordingly. So, you know, as a barrister, you'll just do your job. But then we were talking about, you know, what the what the reality is for barristers when they realize that they're not actually working in a in a <laughs> in a proper justice system it's a very unjust criminal system that we have and and what lawyers and barristers have realized that they they're working for the bad guys and that you know working for the bad guy would be fine if the result from that would still be a just result you know that the bad guy would get the bad result but that's not what's happened and and i think that's why it's going to be really interesting to see what the what kind of the outcome is for for people who who realize that what their professions and their jobs are meant to do and are meant to do it, you know, as a bigger part of the society, when they realise that that's not actually what is happening, what are the options for them to take part in non-violent civil resistance? And I think lawyers currently, so that the group lawyers are responsible, have shown some pretty epic um, kind of results from that. You know, they've they've been on on the news now uh, quite a bit. And there's I think there's a lot happening from the legal profession. And hopefully soon we will have, you know, no lawyers wanting to work for the bad guy. Mm. That's basically what well, we're hoping. There'll always be a few, you know, evil lawyers. Um, there'll always be a few. Yeah. But the thing is, you know, for to work for a fossil fuel company as they're you know leading lawyers and leading legal team you get hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pounds a year like you know you could easily be on half a million a year which is absolutely absolutely nuts and you know it's unfortunately it is it is the money that will that will guide so many people in these yeah, decisions. It's, you know, in my opinion, like, I feel like voting through the current political system, I don't think we're going to solve this problem by voting for the Green Party, you know? Um, I think, I remember uh, uh, speaking once, and 
you know, and I think uh, I can't remember if it's you or someone else that said it to me, but um, we see you like we need to start seizing bank accounts, start seizing assets, and and arresting literally arresting people and arresting the Met, like like our own police force are going into the home office and and walking the man in handcuffs like. Backed backed by ten million people, so yeah. stood, down, stood stood shoulder to shoulder throughout the streets of London. Not what's been non-violent. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was you know when when the big one happened a couple of weeks ago, and the last day we did a march from from like Parliament Square to the headquarters of Shell on South Bank. And while we were approaching Shell, there was like 20, 30 like police car, like pixies, like the vans parked up in a line, plus all the private security. And I was just looking at the numbers of us and I was like, there's like a good almost 10,000 people here. What if we all just very calmly walked into Shell and arrested just conducted a little citizen's arrest with their ceo couple of their you know head of marketing head of finance just take them down i think i honestly think that you know we need to go after the big fish now you know we need to we need to start taking down leaders of corporations leaders of political parties who are who are destroying this planet leaders of lobby groups um leaders of animal agriculture industry and and the um lobby lobby groups that are responsible for heads not of, including animal agriculture and heads fossil fuels exactly yeah the big finances head of, of head, fossil head, head, fuels, head of so head of Barclays, like, HSBC. Well, the ministers, like beef and chicken and, and the massive corporations. Well, exactly. Well, like, the, the... yeah, there's, I, I think there's, you know, we have so many people who care, but frankly, most of the people who care don't have the money to if to have an effect on these power relations that happen in decision making and you know i think i think if if going in and arresting people actually um taking away someone's liberty with with enough evidence that it is a justified thing to do so um and prompting a real criminal investigation um on you know, against these people, um, if that's the way to do it. Do you think that that. me and you personally could be at risk of arrest for what we've just said on this show? In this country, yes. Um, (laughs) Like, frankly, as we said in the beginning, a protest doesn't even need to take place anymore. So, yeah, I think we've committed some thought crime according to our our government now um but you know i i i think one thing that i i kind of want to leave with you here is when i moved to this country um 
and I was living in Finland for about nine months before I came here. And my dad, who still lives in Finland, uh, he was he was very excited about uh, about me moving here and coming to finish my postgrad and and you know working in law and so on. And every time I I I tell him what's you know what's new and what's happened, I share you know like a some sort of a newspaper article um and a lot of the times it's about the basically the police state that we've become and he's casual uh very common very heard response now is um is oh i i thought you moved (laughs) moved west not east and he he's he's very he's very anti-russia because he's from karelia which was um flattened by by the soviet union during world war um but yeah he's he's always shocked that you know he thought what he had in his mind of britain and of the uk that it in reality that's not what it is and yeah he always just makes these sly comments about um uk being more russia than russia is so um yeah I think that's, you know, that's where we are now. And hopefully, hopefully, um, you know, with the next elections, we'll be repealing a lot of these nah, nah, no time for election. No, no, no time for the elections. Labour, I, th- I, feel like, I feel like we should drag them out by their air, really. And, uh, you know. Yes, I, I wish there was a vote of no confidence from the public. Like, can we do that? Can you imagine? Because <laughs> I, I think a vote of no confidence... Could, could, could just a pile that and <sighs> it could, could the so movements good. come together. People... All the movements come together and put a petition around for a vote of no confidence in... in, in not just in, not just in, in, in uh, Labour, in Conservative, but in, in, in Parliament in general. Not, not the British government, but in Parliament. Yeah, that would be really good. That would be really good. I wonder what the what the way to do that. But this is the thing, though. Even if it's a petition, when it gets to the number of signatures, uh, which is that is it the hundred thousand or two hundred thousand signatures that it needs, so it's discussed in Parliament or in the House of Commons. Even then, they can just say, "Oh, there was this petition," and then strike it out. You know, there is no need for them to actually take that petition. Well, they don't even have to attend, do they? Seriously, which again is nuts. But no, no, they don't. They can just <laughs> skip that one. Yeah, skip they can. That they debate. could just like Parliament doesn't have to attend. Which, to, to, again, so they could just read the petition out to an empty room then, and then it's been read out in Parliament. Exactly nuts uh isn't it isn't it lovely to to be alive oh, in this country yeah, it, no it really is you know I... oh on a on a happy note though i want to i want to talk yeah. about a new book that i just got um because it's it's about britain and it's a it's it's made me quite well happy uh obviously it's, it's a little bit sad but it's called the lost rainforest yeah. of britain uh by uh, Guy Shrubso and oh he dog's making a visit hello um, and it's it basically it's a beautiful story about the fact that we have rainforests in in this country and it has beautiful pictures in it 
Hang on. Um, hold, hold, it, hold it back up again. Hold it back up again. It's just... it. Wow. Yeah, they look really nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really beautiful. And I was really happy that on page five, it first mentions the climate crisis and how that's a huge reason why right now we're losing most of our... Um, and HS2. Britain's rainforests. Um, <laughs> yeah, and HS2. Um, and it's... It's so... You know, it's... Um, it's shocking because it actually... The, the book basically starts off by saying, you know, that 20% of the British, of the UK landmass actually has the perfect weather conditions for rainforest to exist. Um, and that's temperate rainforests, which we have. But only 13% of the UK landmass currently has wow. any tree coverage. And that that 13% is mainly timber plantation so it's not even natural woods and you know how how little rainforests actually cover this <laughs> this country anymore even though we live in like perfect conditions for it um but yeah it's something to fight for just the revival of the british rainforest yeah. no you don't so what's your dog called Dobby. Dobby. Oh, he's... Oh, praise yeah, the dog. The dog is now on the podcast. He's, um, he's very... Yeah, he, he's very cuddly and and always thinks that he's very needed <laughs> in any moment. So he'll, like, so... literally just, like, push his face into you and just be like, oh, looks like you need me now. So, um... These podcasts are usually an hour, and we've gone over an hour now, and um, I don't see any reason why we have to end it any time. I mean, unless you're in a rush to go somewhere. Just... Yeah. Well, I've got okay. another call at four, uh, and I... Okay, I'll give you, I'll give you like, I'll give you like that, within, but, uh, five, um, ten minutes, and then... reasonable? Do you know yeah, so, yeah, that's can, good. Can I say, do yeah, you know where we're marching in London? I really, really, really want to go to this. Yeah. I, 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 I'm like, I'm like, so. I'm <laughs> so. Of course like, you do. Jealous, sat on the sidelines, like, right? I'm like, I want to be arrested. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, no, I don't really. You know, what I'm, I'm, I'm getting out. Like, I think, I think if I was, um, yeah. if I was tag free right now, yeah, I. I would do every single uh, region's action phase back to back, like without a break. Right, like, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not even joking. <laughs> I would just live in London continuously. I'd probably like eat out of bins because I got no money, and I'd just get arrested like continuously. Like, oh, not get arrested, <laughs> but slow marching is supposed to be legal. Um, uh, I would. I, yep, it's uh, supposed to be. Yeah, and, it's supposed to be. Oh, you know. I, that'd be so awesome because I'd get to meet everybody. I'd get to meet everybody from all of Just the Poil, like from every region, like week after week after week after week after week. And instead, like, yeah. oh, I'm fucking tagged. I'm, I'm stuck. At least yeah. I can talk about protesting now, though. But uh... yeah, exactly. At least you can talk about protesting. And I think, you know, 
frankly, I I I love seeing people uh, taking part in in any protest, even if it would be a protest that I don't agree with, uh, or like I don't agree with what they're asking for or what they're demanding. And seeing so many people take part in the slow marches, and knowing that our government is is like going above and beyond in in criminalizing everyday people rather than just fucking sitting down and cancelling the oil licenses which every single scientist is saying them not to do and same with with the international energy agency is saying don't do it and the un is saying don't do it and our government's just saying oh but the money and the fact that slow marching which is literally just walking down a street with a placard or a banner is is a threat to this government and the power that they hold it says a lot about the people who sit in parliament it just i think they're they're very well they're scared clearly they're scared of people power and and they know that they're not liked and they know that people will only support them in cracking down on protest after they've you know gotten the media to mm-hmm. be all riled up and and the media works to rile up the public and and then all the rhetoric they use so you know it's none of this is happening by accident and it's just amazing to see that normal everyday people uh with regular jobs with families with friends um you know from all around the country are willing to still put their bodies on the line against our state and our state has the monopoly on violence you know our they can decide to roll in with the army you know the police even they say oh we don't carry weapons yeah you fucking do you've got a baton on your belt that's a weapon like you could beat me to death if you wanted to and i have nothing you know and it's the fact that people are courageous enough to do that and put themselves out there, particularly people from more marginalized communities and, you know, uh, trans folk and people of color, the fact that they are brave enough to come and join, like, where is the where where are the rest of the people? The people who are just way too comfortable currently, like, come on out and and join because there's people who who could who have been historically attacked and killed by our state you know the our state is coming after all of us uh very very soon so if you're not standing up now what point will you that's basically yeah yeah when all the rights are taken away well i think that's a pretty good a pretty good uh round up to the episode um I've absolutely loved having you. I've loved having you on. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, that's a little. Well, yes, I'll, I'll be you a regular, be regular guest, guest like, anytime. Um, we've not even delved into a like, part of like you <laughs> or who you are at all that's yet, because there's so much more. There's so much more. Um, no, no, we haven't. So we've we've got quick, lots quickly, to talk briefly, about. Uh, tell tell us about the other things you do quickly. Uh, other things I do, I I spend a lot of time with my dog. 
I teach forest school uh, for children in my local area. I forage a lot. Um, and actually on, um, on Thursday, what we did with the children, we made a springtime tonic. So we basically made like a lemonade Ooh. from daisies and, and dandelions and cleavers and nettle. And it was really delicious. Um, and next week I'll be, I'll be making some, um, three cornered leek and nettle pesto. That sounds lovely. Um, so, you know, I, I do fun things like that as well. So it's not all law and legal text in my life. I, I love nature and I love the innocence and the curiosity and pure heartedness of children. Um, and you know, I'm doing this for all children and for all adults uh, and all living beings. Love. So just reminding myself. Yeah, exactly. And just, you know, being outdoors is just reminding me of, of what this, earth is giving me and it's giving me life it's giving me love it's giving me freedom it's giving me so much and you know if you know the best i can do is support um regular people who are trying to protect this earth i'll i'll do that <laughs> you are incredible I'll, I'll all of you. and i've said it before i'll say it again you you are very incredible oh, so You've, are you I'd, you're very influential and you don't give yourself enough credit to be honest you know uh with all the things that you do and i will have you on the show again <laughs> um Thank right you. so i'm just going to round off by saying if you've liked this content on activism uncensored then please drop us a like subscribe and we now have a patreon uh which will be in the links in the description of the video so Yay. if you like what we do and you think we could do we could have some better recording equipment which i honestly do think we need um, then please consider subscribing on Patreon and on there you will see um, exclusive content you'll see behind the scenes stuff and a lot of my journaling stuff that hasn't been put out in the public yet will be on there too so um, I hope to see you soon and signing off sweet alright uh, lots of love oh. to everyone and get yeah. on the streets <laughs>